Our scripture reading today is Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 30. And our sermon, which will be the last in this series, is entitled, Sanctified to be Glorified. This is the Lord's word. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for we hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do, for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. As we've gone through this series, we have seen that the goal of sanctification, the goal of our life here for those of us who've been justified, is simply to grow closer to Christ, to know him and to be known by him. Not to simply know his laws apart from the character of God, but through the law and through our growth to actually know Jesus. What that looks like is this utter dependence upon him and his ways, an utter dependence for his grace and his mercy, and, his utter, and an utter dependence to be able to truly love one another in Christ. As you grow in the Lord, you should be in awe of the way that you are changing, in awe in the ways that you relate to one another. You should be able to say to yourselves every once in a while, oh my goodness, this is God working in me. This is not me trying to do something to please God. This is not me trying to prove to God that I know him, but he's changing me. You should be able to say that, well, I'm able to love the people around me, my spouse, my parents, my children, not because I'm able to, but God gives me strength. And I love with the love of Christ. 
there is a deepening in our love with the Lord as we grow in him together. We as a church must exemplify and pray to the Lord, Lord, teach us. Teach us that love that you have given unto us. Today, as we end this series, I want to give you a bit of an inner dialogue of what sanctification may look like for many of us. Because I do not want you to think that sanctification is this Pollyannish thing that we simply grow linearly. Or that sanctification, the way that it presents itself, is this 100% pure heart unto the Lord. But in this passage, what I want to present to you is what it looks like to be wholly dependent upon our Lord, to have this inner dialogue that is present and that is given by God himself as an indication to you that you belong to him. Sanctification does two things for us. Sanctification points us back to our justification, and sanctification also points us to our glorification. Okay? These are theological terms. What I mean by what we mean by sanctification points us back to our justification is that as we grow in the Lord, we start to realize that we ourselves are more sinful than we can ever imagine. As you grow in the Lord, the depths of your sinfulness become more and more apparent to you. This is normal in the course of the Christian life. Every Christian that I have come across, that I have a dialogue with, and we talk about their faith and how they've grown in their faith, it's not this sort of Pollyannish I am in fire with the Lord, and I love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul, and I'm out to, to, to do wonderful things for the Lord every day of the week. But if you meet someone who knows the Lord, it's more of what? Meekness, weakness, inability. I can't serve God. I realize that all my works for God are nothing but filthy rags unto him. But here's where the Christian different, differs from the non-believer. You see, the non-believer or, or us as a weakened Christians, at times we will see our sinfulness and our weaknesses and we'll look at them and we'll simply say, I give up. This is just who I am. I will be trapped in my depression. I will be trapped in my sins. I will be trapped in this life. And I'll have nowhere to go. And then we give up in our Christian life. If we do that and we, we, we look at our lives and examine it well and, and, and think to ourselves, nothing can change. Then we have given up on the power of the God himself, the spirit himself, 
to change you and change me. This happens very often. This happens, I think, the most often for us as believers in the Lord. You see, Satan has a way of really poking at you and making you look not at the glory of Christ, but making you look at your sinful self, making you look at your sinful past, making you look at your sinful patterns and simply say to you, this is all that you'll ever be. And you will never get out of these patterns. You will never be able to expunge that sin in your life. And then we as Christians, we just throw up our hands. We come to church and worship to him, but it's never joyful. It's more of, okay, God, I'm here. I did my best. I know I've fallen short. Woe is me. Where else can I go? All I have is you. Just help me. Sanctification, though, needs to always point back to our justification. As you grow in understanding the depths of your sins, you understand more the fact that you're saved by grace and grace alone. There's just nothing that you have done to earn God's favor, but that God has saved you from eternity to eternity. There is not one thing that you've done to earn salvation from God, but that God himself saved you out of sheer and pure grace. There is nothing that you added to it. See, God is merciful to you. God is merciful to all of us. Imagine at the very beginning, God has set up a booth and said simply to you, I want to give you salvation, but we're going to have a test first. Are you okay? And you come to God and God says, I'm going to reveal to you, okay? I'm going to sort of mind meld you as a, as a Vulcan does and Spock or whatever. And I'm going to show you every sin that you ever committed from the beginning of time to every sin you'll ever commit to the end of time. I will show you every wrong motivation of every action that you've you committed from the beginning of time to the end of time. And after I show that to you, then I'm going to ask of you, then I'm going to say to you, hey, you're saved by grace and grace alone. Just come unto me, and I'll love you. God knows the wickedness of our hearts. There's no way any of us would actually ever believe that Jesus saved us by sheer grace because of the wickedness of that, 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 of, of what, of, of, of that action that God would have done if he showed you all of your sins. That's the most wicked thing that he could do to you. None of you would be able to stand before the Lord. But what does the Lord do? The Lord only shows you enough of the sins that you need to repent of, and the Lord shows you that as a whole you are a sinner, but you do not realize yet, and you will never realize how sinful you truly are. That is part of God's grace and God's mercy. 
But as you grow in your walk with the Lord, as you become sanctified, you start to see that list. God shows you more of that list. And you run to where? You run to the cross. And you go, oh, how wonderful is the grace of our Lord who saved me from all of my sins. That's the inner dialogue. That's half of the inner dialogue that you must have. A wonderment of your justification in the Lord. The second half is what we see here in this passage. Is that when we see that we are saved by grace and grace alone, we also long for the time where we won't sin anymore. We long for the time where we can choose righteousness all, uh, over and over again. We long for the time where we can always love when we're supposed to love. We look for the time where we can glorify God forever and ever in Him. And in this passage, Romans chapter 8, it talks a lot about groaning. It talks a lot about weakness. It talks a lot about woe is me that we don't have today what we should have. And there's a righteous almost complaining unto the Lord. That is a picture of what it means to be a sanctifying body of Christ. You should be groaning. You should be complaining. You should be going to the Lord in prayer. You should be asking the Lord what? Lord, your kingdom come. Lord, the things of this world that that is not what it should be, let them be today. Lord, the things of my marriage, the things of our children, the things of my workplace, the things of my, my relationship with my parents, of my friends that are not pleasing to you, Lord, let them be what they should be. There should never be a, a time where we say to ourselves, this is just the way life is. But God gives you a picture that in the future coming of the Lord himself, that all will be made right with the Lord. And there's a longing, a sanctified longing for God in your time. Your will be done. But in the meanwhile, let me groan with your groanings. Let me be saddened and lament with your sadness and lamentations. And then let me love the way you've called me to love. You see, justification, our sanctification allows us to look back that we are saved by grace, but it also allows us to look forward to the time when all things will be made whole in him. But with those two things hand in hand, we live in the present, asking the Lord, Lord, may your kingdom come in my world, in my life, in my family, in my church. And we work with the Lord knowing that he is ever-present. Now, there's two dangers that I want to present to you 
and that I want you to think about it and to apply to you, to your lives. The first I already sort of alluded to. One is that oftentimes the Christian just gives up. They just give up. They look at their lives and they know that it's always going to be hard. It's always going to be difficult. That sacrificing to Jesus is 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 rough that loving people is always going to be rough and you just give up and instead of sort of trying to to love better or trying to to meet God better you just roll with the punches and you say to yourself I'm actually just going to wait until the Lord comes back and make everything perfect this is commonplace um, in, in today's world that, that, that I see in a lot of believers. But that is neither trusting in God, neither seeing his justification and the, and the fact that you're saved by grace and that you need to love people who need to be saved by grace. And neither is, is it a, a, a healthy expect longing for God's power uh, to be made manifest to you. It's lukewarmness. It's giving up before the Lord. And what happens when you don't think that God can change you? You don't pray. It's what's the use. You're just waiting for God to come back. You don't read his word, even though you know that his word contains a lot of truths because the one truth you hold, into, hold on to is, I'm just going to wait for God to come back. But Jesus is no longer in the presence, in your presence of your life. Jesus is sort of simply in heaven, and you're just waiting for him to return. But your heart will grow cold. Your love will grow cold. But instead, you must have this sort of healthy friction in your heart, a healthy longing in your heart. For Jesus to re- for Jesus' presence to be made manifest. You have to have this healthy longing and say, you know what, I'm saved by grace. So that means that I must love people by grace. You know, I can see how sinful that I am, but God loves me in God's presence. I must do the same thing. I must have this hope that the people that I'm with, the people here in this church, they're never going to be perfect. But I can't wait for the day when the Lord comes back and we're all together and we're worshiping God perfectly and we're loving each other perfectly. And we rejoice in that because that's what we always hope for. There's this healthy friction, longing, groaning that the Lord gives to us. And the blessing in that is not the groaning itself. The blessing is having Christ present in your life. Saying, Jesus, thank you. You saved us all. Thank you. Even in the midst of this already not yet, that you're present. And thank you, Lord, that I know that I'm not perfect. I know that my my friends are not perfect. My brothers and sisters are not perfect. But one day... We will be worshiping you in perfection, not for just a a little while, but for all of eternity. And it's to that which I will labor for, oh Lord. We labor with the power of God. 
So don't give up. Don't give up on people around you. Don't give up even on yourself. Trust in the Lord. He surely will do it. That's the number one error that I see in our culture today. That we just give up in the power of the Lord in our sanctification. The second thing that, that, I, that I often see is that people really still believe in perfectionism. That they think that the goal of this Christian life is to live this perfect moral life. Is to sort of appear as if we are these, these um, saints before the Lord. To appear as if like a, a, a light has shined upon us and there's a halo around us. And that this is what we're supposed to be. There's this thing that we, we look around each other and we, you might see me and, and, and you say, well, Pastor Young must be like this super Christian and I'm, I'm not. You might look at people around you and say, this person is truly anointed by God. And you know what? They're not. We're all human before the Lord. And so the second error I, I see is that we, we, we fear seeing each other's faults. We fear seeing each other's sins. We fear seeing each other's weaknesses. But in order for the church to grow, we must grow slowly and wisely in being able to share our weaknesses, to share our sins, that we may do what? Those two things. Brothers, sisters, go to the cross. You're, I'm as sinful as you are. But praise be to the Lord that he forgives us. Brother or sister, let's look to the future. One day we'll be made whole, so have hope. But in the meantime, brother or sister, let's call upon Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. These type of dialogues, these type of, 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 of the water that we drink, the food that we eat, that, that's just part of our culture, is spirit-given. But we must practice what the Spirit has shown us. This is the beautiful thing about God's Word. If you simply obey what God wants to give you, he will give it to you. If you try to find your own way to sanctification, to well-being, God will not give that to you. We learn today that God is one. That God is perfect. He is never confused. His way is not something that is made up by fiat. But God's ways, his teachings to you, comes out of his character, perfection, and holiness and love. We obey him. For that is where we find joy. So brothers and sisters, 
if you feel like it's really hard to change, it is. It's harder to change on your own. Count on the Spirit. Count on one another. Let the Lord sanctify our church. And may all the world see that Jesus is present here. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. We worship you. There is no one like you, Lord God. Father, we confess as people that um, we, we love the idea of free grace. Who doesn't? We, we love the idea of justification, that you love us even while we were sinners. And who doesn't love that? And we love the idea that one day that we'll be made perfect. Who, who doesn't love that? But Lord, in between is this idea of sanctification, of growing in this world, growing well in this world. And Father, we realize that if we don't understand our sanctification of what it means to love and to grow in this world, then there's a danger that we really don't understand justification or glorification either, Lord God, for they all go hand in hand together. So help us, Lord, in this life, Lord God, to draw close to you and draw closer to us. Lord, just sanctify our minds to understand what it means to be justified in you. Make clear in our hearts of what it means, Lord, to truly to truly what it, what it means to live in the new heavens and the new earth. Give us a vision for all of these things, Lord, so that we can truly worship and honor you all the days of our lives. In Christ's name we pray, amen. We have the privilege today, brothers and sisters, of receiving Holy Communion. Holy Communion is one of the two sacraments that the Lord Jesus instituted for his church. These two sacraments ground the church in him. For we are reminded once again that this church was founded by in the blood of Christ, in Christ alone. Holy Communion is offered to all of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus himself. And as we said, sanctification, your hearts may be all over the place. But as long as you say, I trust in the Lord and the rock himself, you do know him and he knows you. For those of you who are communicant members here, or members here at this church, you are welcome to take communion. And as you do so, remember who you are. Remember our church. Remember our vows to one another, to love each other. Remember that the Lord has called you here to demonstrate the fullness of God. For those of you who are visiting, if you are members of a different church in good standing, you are welcome to come participate as well. And as you participate, pray for your home church, pray for your leadership, pray for the people who are around you, but also just pray for our church as well as you come to visit, that the Lord will bless this church also. If you are a believer, you still haven't found the church yet, I, I ask you to refrain. And I do that not to punish any of you, but I do that so that, so that we understand that church is so important. 
Christ has called us not only into belief in him, but the purpose of baptism is to initiate you into the church of Christ. I know things have changed in the world, that, that, that world that makes things so different. I mean, if you watch the news, you'll, I mean, even, even my team, the Philadelphia Eagles, about three or four years ago, I heard about the football team and they're like sharing about Jesus and they decided to baptize two or three people right there on the team in the, in the swimming pool. And, and people do that everywhere. People will baptize their own children in, you know, in their pool or in a lake you know, at a family vacation and things like that. It's become so normal, but that's not the way God intended it to be. God intended baptism and, and everything to be within the church itself. And so what I'm saying to you is communion is the same thing. You need to find a community in God to grow in your sanctification. You can't do it by yourself. You can't. Because one of two, two things always happens. One is that you actually think you're, you're growing when you're not. Or number two, you, you're, 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 your faith starts to weaken because you have no one to partner with. And so for those of you who haven't found the church home yet, uh, I eagerly, eagerly call you to do so. That you, that you may grow in your faith and your love for him. Lastly, for those of you who are not even sure about their faith as faith yet, I ask you to refrain as well. We would rather you accept Christ and his love and his purposes in your life. If that is something that you have more questions about or would like to, uh, to discuss, you're more than, I ask you to come talk with me after service and we can talk more about what it means to, to know the Lord to know the gospel himself. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you do not leave us to our own devices. For if we, if we Lord, took the basic truths of Christianity and made a church in our own image, Lord, unfortunately, the church would just look like us. And Lord, that is not what we want to do. For a church made in the image of man only leads to destruction. But a church made in your image, according to your word, brings life. So Lord, so Lord we thank you for the sacrament of, of the Lord's Supper. It is a reminder to us once again of what you instituted, of what you love, about what you desire. We just want to be in your will, Lord God. For in your arms is the safest and most loving place to be. So bless all the people here, Lord God. Embrace them deeply. Show them that you love them deeply. Show them, Lord, that you want nothing than what's best for them deeply. Show them, Lord, to be in your presence is the best place to be. And we ask that you do this, Lord, for the glory of your name and your kingdom. But do this also, Lord, for our own good, Lord, that we may be fully human, loving you and being loved by you.
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.